you seen these companies that offer to write academic stuff? Well, I was on Reddit, on the PhD Reddit, and someone was trying to advertise one of those like companies that would do your lit review for you, and it just it's it's a fascinating thing because like who who works for them? You know who works for these companies? Writing other papers for people. I do remember we were like looking at them, and there was even an option write me my dissertation in like twenty four hours. For only like twenty five thousand dollars, but yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I like reading and writing, but I don't think I'd like reading and writing enough to like it be my job to do it for other people. And like, do they have hundreds of people in line? And like, if someone pays twenty five thousand dollars, are they like, you get methodology, you get theory, you have twenty four hours, go. <laughs> Yeah, it must be like an operation, you know? Like it's an assembly line of just people just firing out. I'm tempted to just see what the quality is, though. If anyone's ever paid to have a a paper written by one of those companies, send it in. Because I want to know. <laughs> I want to know how good it is. Because I feel like AI is just going to put all those companies out of business. What about those people that use on um, PhD Reddit that doing their PhDs by themselves? Oh <laughs> yes, there's uh, there's some people who are self-published PhDs, so they don't go to university. They just they write a dissertation and they publish it on blogs or websites and they don't they don't call it like independent research they call it the PhD. and they're like i got my phd i'm self-funded i'm self-taught self-supervised self-defended <laughs> <laughs> i'm more i'm more intrigued about the fact that you guys know about all of this <laughs> it's you my know. first time hearing <laughs> oh reddit is a wonderful place especially if you want to get a phd in computer science because everyone asks <laughs> Where should I go and get a PhD? Or age. People always bring up age. Like, the Reddit page for PhDs is just people being like, I'm 34, should I do a PhD? And then someone will comment being like, I'm 33, I have the same question. And it's a lot of people, or, yeah, it's either like age, like am I too old to start a PhD? Or it's like someone being like, asking very super specific questions to research that... They probably shouldn't be asking just on an open forum like Reddit. Like they'll be like, "I'm having a lot of hard difficulties recruiting people. I want to start using, I don't know, like Snapchat to recruit my participants. Is this ethical?" And everyone will just be like, "Talk to your supervisor." <laughs> like there's, I don't know. You know, I guess people think the internet have answers for everything, but I don't know if they do. Welcome to our podcast, where we talk about grad school. I'm your host, Jeanette. I'm another host, Keaton. And I'm another host, again. And we are going to talk about the good, the bad, and the grad. For today's episode, we'll be talking about comparison, if we compare ourselves to other grad students, should we compare ourselves, is comparison ever healthy, is it unhealthy? So, let's start with Jeanette. Do you compare yourself? Yeah, I do. Quite frequently, actually. I compare where I'm at in the research to where the other people who I started grad school with. I think I do a, there's a level of healthy comparison that I'm at right now 
versus when I first started. I think when I first started, I was doing it in an unhealthy way for myself and who I am. And I was looking at everyone else around me and they felt so, I felt as if they were very confident in the type of research that they did. Um, they were confident in all of the different elements that go into making a research project. And here I was sitting with my wonders and tensions and I was very emotional when I first came to grad school because I was fighting these feelings of how do I engage with participants in a relational way? Um, how do I go about my research? How is my research going to look? Um, I felt <clears throat> very alone. So because I was already in my negative headspace, I was looking outward and I was saying like, oh, this person has it all together. I should be there. Or this person is at this stage of their research. Why am I not there? Um, but now I kind of look at it as we're all different. and We're all going on our own path. Um, however, you know, there are people that are ahead of me. And I almost look at it at, as it's like, okay, like they got to that point. Like I will get there. Or they can do it, I can do it. So my comparison has definitely shifted from unhealthy to healthy, but I don't think it's ever going to go away from me. I don't think it's a matter of if I compare. I think it's like, when am I not comparing? Because I think, like, yeah, like you were saying there, it's very easy to just look around you in grad school and see where other people are. And obviously wanting to be further ahead than than the point you are, um, it's easy to feel like you're not doing enough or you're falling behind. Um, and again, I think it's just this idea of like, you know, no matter how much work you do, there's always going to be time where you're just kind of spitting your tires and then people around you will be making progress and I think that's a good point, how you were saying, though. Eventually, like, you know, no matter where someone is in their process, eventually you will get to that point as well. But it doesn't necessarily make it any easier to be like, oh, you know, so-and-so is already, like, proposing, you know, so-and-so is already preparing for their comps. It's like, why am I not there? What am I doing wrong? You know, so you look outwards and you see and then you start to look you know, you start to reflect back on your progress and you're like, oh, am I doing enough? And then I think that's where, like, unhealthy comparisons come in because how are you supposed to, you know, know the progress that someone else is making? Their research is completely different from you. You know, they're going to progress in a very different way. But it's not, it's not always easy to, like, keep that in mind. So is it always an academic comparison for you that you have in your mind or is there anything like how they live their lives or um so I have like for me when I see someone and I see them like they're oh so they're so they're so put together they're like they seem to have everything under control they are having this best life they are I don't know staying active they're doing this they're doing that but at the same time they're doing their whole academic stuff do you ever get that maybe a life comparison as well, or is it just academic for you? Well, I mean, my office mate went to Turkey this, this summer, <laughs> and it just, I mean, I would have loved to have gone to Turkey, but, you know, I had to, I had to stay and teach, so. You went to Scotland. That's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> uh, no, I think, like, to what you're saying... Yeah, I mean, it's always, I mean, you see people with their, what we perceive as their life put together, and it's like, oh, I wish. And then you start to feel lazy because you don't have it all together. Um, I don't know, I also think, like, I'm someone who really, like, tries not to compare, like, life, because, you know, I think everyone has very different lifestyles, and, you know, I think someone that like seems to have it all together is you know not might not necessarily have it all together behind the scenes and 
Yeah, I think for me the comparison is a lot more academic, um, or even like comparing myself in like a future tense too. Like I, I find myself comparing a lot to like what other like scholars who are you know maybe also doing their PhD or finishing their PhD. I compare like okay, I look at so and so and I see okay, they're done their PhD. How many publications do they have? Oh, how many like you know shirk grants did they get how many you know research assistant opportunities do they have oh where are they teaching right now where are they doing their postdoc and so i compare myself in like a future sense to people and i guess that's not necessarily just academic because i mean obviously that also looks at like where they are you know someone's at a really prestigious school and they got a really big postdoc you know scholarship to be at that school i'm like oh i'm comparing like how did they get that and am I going to get there? And again, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I can get pretty down because it's like, oh, like, I don't think I, I don't think I could do enough to get to that point to be where they are, even though they're only a few years ahead of, ahead of me. And that should be the answer that like they are a few years ahead of me. So did it make sense that they, you know, do have these postdocs, they do have, you know, 10, 20 publications. That makes sense. But Again, I compare myself to where I am now. I don't know. You can't predict the future, though. Maybe I'll have 20 publications by the time I'm done. <laughs> Based off my work output right now, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, might, we might have one. I think in academia almost like creates this environment where you do have to compare yourself. It's almost like an, a requirement. Like, I think of you know, in order for you to get to where you want to be, if you want to pursue a PhD like the two of you are doing and become a professor and teacher, you guys always, I find, throw these these things around like tenure track and I've, I haven't even thought of that. And I think even at that level, you do have to compare yourself because you're you're becoming competitive because you need to make sure that you secure that spot or you get those classes. In, in order to do that, you have to do all these publications. So if you're trying to achieve the same goal as the other people in your program, it, you're wanting to be better than them because that's what the job is asking of you. So I think it's really like almost inevitable to, to not compare um, and then in in my life, I think it's just, I will always compare myself to where other people are at, um, but I also need to understand that I'm at where I'm at for a reason. Um, but I do look at some of the, some of the women before me who have gotten their, their PhDs or who have gotten their masters and their mothers. And I'm like, man. I'm struggling so hard right now <laughs> and how like how could how am I struggling and feeling all of this and feeling overwhelmed and almost burdened with the work and like I want to quit and then there's these women out there who are wives they are mothers they are working and they're also like pursuing a PhD or even a master's and I'm like man I shouldn't be feeling like this and that's where it becomes unhealthy and when I start to do the shoulds and shouldn'ts I know that's when I need to reevaluate what I'm looking at because um, interestingly enough the last time I got my nails done by my little sister shout out to her she is wise beyond her years, we were discussing how we compare ourselves to other people in real life. And sometimes we don't look at, well, what are they sacrificing to be there? Like we want to be exactly where they are, but maybe we're thriving in different areas of our lives. And so I have to think of that as well. Like I compare myself in an academic setting to I'm not as you know, I'm 
taking a little bit longer to maybe get my proposal done. I'm taking a little bit longer to grasp the concepts, mainly because I do believe I'm being taught concepts I don't need to actually implement because I do a little bit different research. Um, so it's hard when they're throwing everything at you. But I feel like I should be further along in my journey in academia. But then I think to myself, like, how well am I doing in my real life? And at this point in time, I'm thriving and I've never felt better because I'm actually investing in like who I am as a person and investing in taking care of myself. And then I'm now wondering, are the people who are doing well in academia, like what are they giving up that I'm doing well? So sometimes, like we said, we're going to compare ourselves no matter what, and whether it's in the present, in the past, or with you, Keaton, in the future, we also have to remember, like, that other people are comparing themselves to us. Like, we are also somebody's before and after picture, or we are also somebody else's thing that they're like, oh, they're doing really well in this area. I wish that I could do that. Or I should be at that point, or I need to get to that point. So it, it's really interesting the dynamic of being in an academic setting while also like having your life go on. And I don't think you can separate life and academia when you're comparing yourself. There's a, there's a hikingism for wow, you. Of course there, <laughs> there is. You go. Of course there is. The heaviest backpack is the one you carry. Keep that in mind. Oh, keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I went on a hiking trip once. And I thought my bag was so heavy. And then compared to the other two guys I was hiking with, my bag was not heavy at all. But to me, that bag was the heaviest bag of, of all three. Because it was the one that I had to carry up that mountain. So yeah, there's a, there's a little yeah. hikingism for you to keep okay. in mind. I need like a collection. I need to start writing these down in a book so that I can have... <laughs> Keaton's hiking metaphors. <laughs> you will only finish a trail by taking <laughs> one step at a time. That's, uh, that's a personal that's, favorite of mine. Wow. Do you say these to yourself as you're hiking? Yeah. Yeah, I do. He also gives himself thumbs up, so... <laughs> I'm with the... Motivation. Motivation. <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, thinking about, like, life comparisons in like academia too is like I know people who have gone on to pursue like PhDs and like they're at schools that I was like oh that that's a great school to go to and at times I'm not sure it's gonna bash my university but <laughs> I think there's just like in academia there's this perceived prestige and there's something that also always comes up on the Reddit page of a PhD, people talking about, should I go to a top 10 university that I'll hate my life at, or should I go to university number 1,082, and everyone will just be like, if you don't go to that top 10, you're failing. Um, but yeah, I think I like compared myself to like people that I knew in my master's who like went on to go and, you know, are pursuing PhDs at like you know, these big prestigious schools and stuff, and it's like, like, it's hard not to just be like, oh, you know, like, that's a big school, like, that's a, that's a school that people look at and are like, oh, you know, you go to this very, like, you know, top-tier program, and then I think, I don't know if people look at where I went for my PhD, and people are like, oh, wow, like, that's prestige, um, and I think, like, again, it's this comparativeness of, like, like a name of a school seems to hold more weight or more value to our research or, you know, our, the people we, you know, work with on our projects, you know, our supervisors. There's just this weird thing in academia. It's like, you know, almost like flexing, you know, and I think the, the most basic like example is like, if someone's like, I went to Harvard, it's like, oh, you know, there's just this element of like, oh, wow, they went to Harvard. You know, but does that mean that person's like the best lawyer because they went to Harvard? No, there's probably people who go to like, you know, I don't know, 
random ass school <laughs> that won't sue us. Um, <laughs> San Jose Technical South Law School. <laughs> that's a school. No shade. Just a hypothetical situation. But someone who went to that school could probably be just as you know capable at law, if not even more. But there's just this element of you know like this other person went to a very prestigious school and. I found, like, my first year of my PhD, I kind of looked at that, especially when I was seeing people I knew in my master's go to, like, prestigious schools, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, it, it's just this odd, like, reputation comparison that I don't know why it exists in academia, but it does, and I don't think it's right, because especially for, like, our kind of research, like, qualitative research, it's not going to be, like... You know, oh, the school you went to determines how successful, you know, and I could see that maybe more in, like, kind of a lab setting where, you know, if you go to a school that has, you know, one of the top, I don't know, you know, medical research centers, you know, in the world, and you're doing research there, that makes sense because you're doing, you know, probably the very high level, very, you know, expensive research, but for qualitative research, I don't know if that reputation thing should be a comparison, but I feel it still. And even sometimes now I still feel it, you know? Um, I still kind of feel like, oh, you know, like there's people probably look at the school that we go to, especially I know for you at your, the conference you went to, right? It's like you were meeting people from like big schools, big, you know, departments, a lot of grad students, you know, big names and like, you know, the, the literature sense. And then it's like, oh, where do you go? And it's like, they probably are like, oh, you go, you go to that school. Oh, I've never heard of that school. And it's just a weird comparison thing that academia has. But at the same time, they would know my supervisors. Mm-hmm. And we made that choice knowing maybe our school isn't that well known, but our supervisor is. And I think you make choices based on who you are as a person so maybe that big school is in such a big city that you are not going to be able to support yourself or like have a decent daily living you won't be able to um, afford your rent and I think those things are as equally important as where you do your research because if you're constantly thinking about how are you going to support yourself that's your like primal first basic need that you need to be taking care of and if you can't take care of that or if you can't do it in a way that you actually want to or be comfortable in then how well are you doing your research so I think everyone makes their choices and not everyone as their personality can exist in like big and like glorious universities either like for me i as a person who suffers from imposter syndrome every single day and like compares ourselves i can't even imagine going to even a bigger school and having to compare myself with like 30 people where i do now with like five people and I still work with like great researchers and like you guys are like beyond my um, brain capacity, but um, still. So. I agree with that. I think like I don't I don't regret my decision and I, I think I'll come out of it a very capable researcher and I'll learn from very very prestigious scholars at our school but there is like I don't know like there's this sense of like and maybe again this is like that future thing like you know oh when I want to get you know start applying for jobs one day and it's like are they going to look at me and my school um or are they going to look at someone who went to like you know one of like you know a top 10 school and I mean I think I'm in the kind of the, the camp so to speak that I don't think the name matters, but also maybe that's kind of idealistic. You know, maybe it does matter. Um, Maybe that's just a worry. Maybe that's just a comparison I have in the back of my mind. Like, oh, what if it does matter? 
then I have to do even more than someone who went to one of those big schools. And then it goes back to this idea of, like, maybe I'm starting to compare myself. and Oh, if they already have this, like, kind of leg up advantage because they went to a school that is seen as prestigious or, you know, a school that has a lot of, you know, a very big department. So they have a lot of connections already kind of built in. They have a lot of opportunities to get involved in a lot of different research. It's like I'm now comparing myself and they have this advantage over me already. And then I'm like, and then I look at everything else they're doing. And it's like, oh, I feel so far behind where they are. And it's not even like I'm far behind in my own, you know, research progress. It's like I'm just so far behind, like, on the playing field. But should you be working with someone that value is just a name? Like, do you, does that the place you usually want to go to? Because maybe you're presenting yourself in a way that, like, this is my research and this is my values and this is what I had at the time. These were my, um, like, what I had um, in my, I don't know, opportunity-wise, and I did my best in these opportunities. So would you rather work with someone who just looks at you and looks at where you did your PhD and just says no? Or would you want to work with someone who actually cares and listens what you actually did with what you have and go and work there? Because... Even for me, when I was applying here, I was a nobody to no one here. But I tried to explain myself to my supervisor and she listened to me and she decided to have me here. I, was, I wasn't even in the sport management environment here. I was a, I don't know, I was like cool soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that, where it's like, I... For myself, I write a lot of self into my research. So I think either way, if somebody looks at me as a person and looks at my research, I want to make sure like those are very like congruent. And so I can easily be like, yeah, like they're going to see myself and they're going to see my research and they're like, oh, wow, this is so great. Like, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's somebody who sees me and sees my strengths and sees the person who I am first. Um, I definitely come from a background in my work of meeting people where they're at and looking at people first and foremost as a person, as a human being, but looking at their strengths. And for me, it's really big that if I can see the strengths and if I'm seeking out a supervisor that I know is, is strong in the areas that I would, I am more passionate about, I will say, then I also want them to reciprocate that. I want them to look at my strengths and see um, where that, where they can build off of and where they can push me. And so if somebody sees the value of me as a person and, and like for my mind, but also for my intentions and for my heart, then, then I'm most more likely going to go with somebody like that. And so I think that's too where I feel behind on the playing field. I don't feel behind in my research anymore because I know my process looks different and the process that I'm working with right now is is meant for me and it helps me ensure I take a, a little bit longer um, just because even who I am is just a slow person to process things. Um, so I'm like good in that avenue, but now I'm like the playing field. I'm like, I don't have a teaching fellow. Like I don't have a academically driven CV. Like my CV is work experience. Like I've worked in group homes, community-based sports, I've worked in after-school programming, I've worked in, with people like of all ages, like I have this vast experience outside of academia, and I'm like, man, like, are they gonna look at that and be like, hey, this, this person has great lived experience and working experience, but then like academically, I'm just, I'm just in and out right now, like, I just want to, I'm going to end up with just my proposal from my, or my thesis. And then from that, am I going to make articles? Yeah. There's so many that I would love to like build off of, but at the same time, what if that doesn't happen? And all I have is my thesis 
and I go up against somebody like if I want to pursue my PhD right now I'm in the in the midst of figuring out whether or not that's something that fits fits me in my life if I go up against somebody who's has all these projects um, has these articles that they've published or worked with other people um, they have they're in labs too like even that's something big or they've created different I want to say like societies but like also show leadership and like they they are volunteering for things and the faculties like know them as that person who who we're gonna go to first and then we'll go down the line like I, I worry that okay if there's that person and then there's me and we're going for the same supervisor or job or we're trying to get the same funding for, for our research. Why do I always equate myself less than when I've had these rich, abundance experiences in so many different aspects that make me who I am as a person versus that person who maybe on the outside, again, going back to academia celebrates efficient narratives of grad students. So on the outside and in that institutional space, that person is doing better than me. But in a different area, I am doing well. I want somebody to see that I'm doing well in those different areas and that what I bring to the table matters and is meaningful. But that's not always, you can't, that, I find that more challenging to showcase. And I feel like you have to put more energy and effort into it. Whereas if you just have a piece of paper, your CV has all these things you've done, all these classes you teach, that that's that's easy. That's just like you're you're filling in a template, and that's what I think some people at the higher level who make these decisions look at, and that's so much energy and effort to figure out how how to get myself up to that playing field with somebody when I know I deserve a spot there. I know deep down I I'm there. And I know my capacity and I know my intelligence and I know my drive. And I'm right there with that same person who has the nice CV. But I do think I bring a little bit more. It's because I've had to fight my way up to get there and be creative in how I present that. But it does take effort and energy. I think when you were talking about institutional element of it, I know for my master's, like coming into the faculty I was in, we were given like, you know, day one, like this is a two year program and this is how you are going to do it in two years. And that was very much catered towards like kinesiology labs. And for a lot of the kin master students, it was very achievable, right? Like they were proposing end of first semester, you know, they had RD and were like, you know, beginning to do recruitment at the end of second semester. They did their data collection all through the summer and fall. And then, you know, winter, second year, they finished their write-up and they graduated in that two-year window. And then for myself and my cohort, who, you know, we all were, you know, sport management students, I'm almost positive all of us did, you know, qualitative or at least mixed methods, we all had to kind of build from the ground up. And it was very apparent very quickly, you know, that first semester ended. And none of us were close to proposing. And it was like, we had kin students that we had classes with who were proposing. And it was like, okay, so are we comparing ourselves to, you know, this timetable that was set out and compare ourselves to the people who are making that timetable? Or do we just kind of, you know, throw that away? And I think my, a lot of the professors in the department were very aware, like, you know, this expectation placed on grad students is not realistic for you know you sport management students like you are not going to be completely done your research second semester of second year and graduating that fall or that's you know june like that's not a realistic timeline and so i think that kind of taught me to not compare myself in terms of where i am in my research process um of course i think I don't want to say it's jealousy when I see people who are, you know, ahead in the research process because it's not like I'm comparing myself and I'm like, I should be there because I've kind of come to terms like it's going to look different, you know, like 
everything could be going like, you know, swimmingly. And then, you know, all of a sudden you get to like data recruitment and you're going to hit a storm, you know, or you're going to be up the creek without a paddle or something. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a good one? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I didn't spit my coffee out all over your table. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought now. It's too funny. <laughs> You're too funny. <laughs> I'm too funny. Um, anyways, it's like I'm not. I don't compare myself in my research process. Like, oh, I should be there. I think, yeah. I don't want to say it's jealousy, but it's like, uh, I wish. I wish I could be proposing. I wish I could be you know, like, doing my comps at the end of the semester. Actually, no, I don't wish that. I don't wish that. I wish I was there but not having to do it, if that makes sense. But, so, yeah, I think, like, comparison and, like, the institutional element comes into it because it is kind of, like, you know, and there has to be structure, you know. They can't just, like, you know, everyone come on in and, you know, you'll get out when you get out. And so there is kind of... I think there is benefit to kind of being like, okay, this is where you should be, kind of moving along, make sure there's always that kind of forward momentum. But, yeah, I don't know, like, the institution makes it very, again, I think, yeah, it just makes this kind of environment where it's very easy to be, like, compare where you are to where others are, and then just, like, kind of be so fixated on that, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's um, some takeaways that I've, learn to put in my toolbox with comparison in grad school has been to surround yourself with people who are at different stages. You know, I look at all three of us, like, yeah, I'm at the master's level, you're at the PhD level, but you're doing certain research and you're also teaching classes that you enjoy and that um, you find, like, that's where your strength lies. And then, like, on the other end, I know I'm pointing none of you are going to know who I'm pointing at and talking about but like with you Keaton like I see like oh like you're applying to these things or you're doing this or you're having these types of conversations with your your supervisor or you're planning this for your comps and then I have my other friends I'll I'll say you guys are my friends um not cohort (laughs) when you said that I was like man um, let's let's refer to them as friends okay we're all friends um maybe not there but no here. They, were, they were all do friends. not refer to me as a cohort when you move on in your life i am your friend <laughs> whether you like it or not but even my my friends and my peers in in my office for like master's students um we're all at different stages and we're all at different levels and it's nice because you can see somebody who's just starting you can see somebody who's getting ready to propose you can see somebody who's already maybe done previous research um, and you can, you, you kind of get to like see that, okay, we're all in the same place physically. However, we're all at different stages of it. Whereas if you're just hanging out with the same two people or even just like the one person you compare yourself with, like you're always going to be like, okay, well, they were at that point. I should be there. But if you have like a variety of, of friends and, and colleagues and peers who are at different stages, it also like awakens yourself to this idea of, okay, like everybody's at different places and it's okay where I am. Because I know like being, again, I was saying like I was unhealthfully, that I don't think is a word, comparing myself at the beginning of grad school because I was in a in a fragile state and an unhealthy state in my life outside of grad school and I was comparing myself and I don't know if you guys feel or have felt this too but when we get asked like okay like why are you in grad school or why are you doing this or what are you doing and then you start to ask yourself those questions and you start to see everyone else around you who's either further in their career as a practitioner or whatever they've chosen they're buying houses, they're having kids, like, they're hitting those social timelines, and you're like, oh, cool, like, I might, I always get thrown, like, oh, instead of paying for grad school, like, you could put a down payment on a house, and I'm like, you're absolutely right, but, like, is that what I value in this moment? No, like, 
I don't need a, well, I need a house, but like, <laughs> it would be lovely to have my own home. But I'm going to rent and I'm going to just find a, a space that'll contain myself. So once, once I got further along in academia, those like social timelines, I wasn't comparing myself as much. It more so switched to like research timelines and academia timelines. But now it's also helped me realize like, okay, I can be at a certain place in my research all my friends around me can be at different places and they have shown me that that's okay because they're doing well and I'm doing well and we're all good. And I can take that lesson and put it in my toolbox in my everyday life. Okay, like if I just surround myself with people who are, who are hitting the social timelines, like that's not, that's not healthy for me. But if I've got like a friend who has a house, a friend who's renting, a friend who, you know, still lives with their parents. If I've got a friend who is just starting out in their career, maybe they didn't go to university. Like, when you surround yourself with people of vast experiences, especially people who've, like, traveled to go pursue their dreams, like you, Akin, like, I love that we're friends because you, you get to show me, like, okay, like, I can go do that, or that is a possibility for me, or, you know, sure, I could be like, oh, I should be just like her and be able to do this, and why am I not moving away for my PhD or why am I not moving away for my master's? But you just show me that that's possible, not that I should do that. And so I think that academia, while we do compare, it can be a really good thing. And for me, it, it, it has been good and it's built my toolbox. I swear, if you pass me in the process, I will trade you down. <laughs> That's a joke. Jeanette's face is horrified right now. I never right know. Now. I never know with you. You do your comps before me, your computer's ending up in the lake. No, but I, I, I do appreciate, Apologize. like... Apologize. I wouldn't. You need a new computer anyways, though. I know. You'd be doing her a favor. Maybe. No, I think it's I think it's good to have people at different stages because yeah, like although I do think it's good that you know we're you know I think our supervisors keeping us very much like moving along at the same pace um, because it is kind of a motivator as well, right? Like having people who are a little bit ahead, you know, it's it's like okay, you know, what have they done to get there? Okay, I know I'm close to that point, right? Or people who are behind you, it's like, okay, I can kind of be that, like, oh, you're not that far, right? Like, again, it's always, like, comparison, I think, can go back to being, like, a good thing, right? Like, as long as you're not, like, you know, looking at someone defending and being like, oh, I, I should get there. It's like, well, that's a huge jump, you know? But, yeah, I think having people around you at different stages of the process and just even different stages in life is a very beneficial thing. Well, did I tell you I'm doing my comps next week? <laughs> <laughs> Computer gone. <laughs> Good luck handwriting. <laughs> um, I think the last thing I compare myself with, and I think we've talked about this before, but I compare myself with my research topic. Oh, a lot. yes. Because I look at, like, I, and I don't know why, but... Like, I'll look at people in completely different fields, and I'll just be like, oh, okay, you're doing good research. And not even good, like, important research. And it's very easy to just compare yourself with that. But are you interested in those topics? I mean, they're interesting topics. I would never, I, I do not have this knowledge to study things, but, like, I look at it, and I'm like, that's important stuff. Okay, so, like, you don't want to study that, though. Yeah, but then I even look at, like, people studying topics kind of around my own, and it's like, oh, like, that stuff's so important, you know, and I think it's easy to look at, like, the trends in research and be like, you know, you see where everyone's kind of putting attention, and it's like, because that's what needs attention, and then it's kind of like, well, now I have to compare, like, what I want to do versus what everyone else is doing or moving towards doing, um. Like, yeah, I can find a thousand gaps in the research but that I'd be interested in, in doing, but is it going to be beneficial for me in the future compared to what other people are doing, you know? 
But Bruce has their goals to be paid attention. Like Bruce has that full. There's your future self coming out. Hey, I know. so stressed. I didn't realize how much she's I just about live, the future. I live with this future stress. I need to go to a, 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 a wise person, <laughs> like a, a mystic or something. You can go get your nails done by my sister. She's very wise. Does <laughs> she read palms? You know what? I wouldn't put it past her, but she, but she, she could. She'll definitely read your birth chart. <laughs> no, you're right. Like it can. Do you value? Like, do you value that? Sometimes I. Okay, how do you guys manage the whole comparison between qualitative and quant? Because even at our, when we all come together and we present our research, sometimes I'm like, wow this person's doing like a study on a life saving or life altering drug. And like, that's actually going to save a life like right off the bat. You know what I mean? There's this evidence, but again, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yep. No one's going to want to hear, you know, my idea of (laughs) how do we understand belonging? But then again, like it comes back to what is valued outside. And we can't keep devaluing ourselves in comparison mm-hmm. to other people who are who are getting valued. Because I think qualitative has a place. I will defend qualitative through and through. I think it's an approach that brings life into these people. Um, I think there's value in both qualitative and quantitative. And I will always be biased towards qualitative because I think you get like this you capture this this person and like who they are um and you get to like put that out out there um but like how do you guys because ma- it, it's a comparison that we always do so how do you manage that and how do you think this is the next question how do you like what role do you think the institution the faculty needs to play in helping us mitigate this comparison between Qualitative versus quantitative. Go again. <laughs> She's mean, ladies first, okay? I usually like accept the fact that like it's their research. Maybe it's more important for the human beings, like I don't know, well-being. But um, to put it in your words, I have no business <laughs> in doing that kind of research. <laughs> Like I don't, I don't want to. I'm not interested in that. And if I don't want to, am I just going to be like go in a quant lab and save people's lives because that's more like it's like do you post something on social media because you think it will get more likes? No, you like me. I post things for fun, and my research is very similar to my understanding of social media. Am I having fun? Am I interested in this research? Mostly. So I will do that. And I don't, I, again, I don't care about vast numbers, but I care about people's experiences and how those specific people, like few people in a vast number of people, um, how do they feel being in that um, same space? Because quantitative you look at a bigger number of people and what can we do for these number of people and you you sometimes don't care about the outliers but with qualitative research you ask the outliers how they're feeling you don't just say oh let's get get rid of that outlier person you actually just take them and do research on them so you're saying you would rather have fun and save yeah. Infinite amount of lives. But she's also saying that she is saving the lives of the outliers. Yes. You know, we're more than just physical beings. We're spiritual, emotional, mental. Like, there's so many domains to wellness. I think, yeah, like, when I compare my research, because I'm really interested in my research, I have fun with my research. When I start to doubt my research is when I compare it to what other people are doing. So it is a comparison thing, right? This idea of like, like I think my research interests and my research topic is fascinating. I think it's important. I think it applies to a lot of people. 
But then, yeah, when I sit in on a, you know, a presentation about a life-altering, you know, drug, and it's like, okay, like, that's not even, yeah, like, I'm, I would never be doing that kind of research, because that is not anywhere near what I'm, you know, educated in. But it's hard not to be like, okay, yeah, my stuff is just, you know, let's sit down for an interview and observe some people in sport, and then we have life-altering, you know, like, huge like you know benefits to like doing all this you know scientific research and like yeah it's hard not to be like oh my goodness maybe my research isn't as important as i thought it was Mm -hmm. but that's a comparison thing but at the same time not to devalue any of the great research in medicine or like the (laughs) drugs we see not everyone has those diseases like those specific Mm -hmm. uh, one in a million diseases but everyone has families and you Mm -hmm. work with families or everyone has everyone has a some type of involvement in leisure Mm -hmm. so maybe we are um, targeting even a bigger audience Mm-hmm. when you think about it that way and it helps to know like sometimes I devalue even just like my undergrad degree and what I do as a working profession because I exist in in a place where my government doesn't value leisure we don't well I don't well you guys now are part of this we don't live in a in a leisure lifestyle province so for me to say like hey look at all these great skills that I have or look at how we can approach something different or bring a new um, way to be proactive in reducing crime or enhancing mental health services or, you know, combating this like epidemic of addiction that we're going through within our province. I know that if even I just shift over to either, you know, one side or the other side and go to a, a place elsewhere, I know that I'm valued. So then sometimes it's like, okay, you just have to, like, understand where you are. Because there are people, like, like you said, like, we might even be targeting a group of people that's larger than one drug could save. And that's not saying one is better than the other, but our stuff needs to be seen as valuable. And we can be seen valuable without creating this divide between quant and qual between like a lab versus being in the field and actually working with people themselves it's not this like one is better than the other but i i think we're on this like rising rising shift of like okay quantitative is all the way up here and then qualitative we got to keep fighting fighting and advocating and we're going to be on the same playing field because ours matters just as much as the other and we potentially could be getting more people than what we think quantitative people are hitting yeah it's crazy to think like qualitative research is still a relatively new thing you know and it is on the rise but yeah it's it's crazy to think you know like even like what we would kind of think of as like qualitative research in like the 60s and 70s still it was like you know they would telephone interview people and then they just kind of be like you know eventually just boil it down to numbers you know how many people said that they were going to the game on saturday versus how many people didn't go to the game right and like qualitative research is this really like still new thing and i mean like quantitative's always been there it's always been the dominant thing right and all of a sudden now it's like you know Shout out to the people who kind of, you know, shout out to Lincoln and Google for putting the fight in for, you know, qualitative research is a thing. And, you know, so, yeah, I think it is, to your point, like, it is getting closer to evening the playing field. Mm-hmm. But then I still also see the reverse where, like, you know, people are still kind of like, you know, oh, I still need that quantitative component in my research to kind of get that value, right? To, I don't know, like, again, like, if you're just a qualitative scholar, especially like starting out, it's like, do I, comparing myself to all the big scholars out there, like, do I need to be doing quantitative as well? Like, do I need to be doing mixed methods? Like, there's always just this uh, comparison between like quant and 
its dominant place in research and then like as qualitative because we see the value in it. My, my curious brain is going and I'm thinking more so of like, how do we, because we can tell ourselves the value of it and we can advocate for ourselves and we know how to do that and we know how to coach ourselves and thinking like, okay, what I'm doing is valuable. It's almost like, how do we meet quantitative people where they're at to show that like we're valuable? Because the thing is, is like over and over there have been these studies within qualitative to be like, hey, this is valuable. This is what we, and I feel like we don't blend both groups. So then it's like, if we keep going at quantitative from like a qualitative perspective and not like meeting them where they where they're at then it's like how are we actually reaching them to be like okay like oh yeah your stuff is valuable I see that and I know some researchers have kind of done that in the sense of being like what's the story behind the numbers so they take the numbers and then they show their research that that paints this story and this picture and I'm wondering if like is mixed methods the way we kind of bring each other together so although you're like oh you know do I have to be valued as a researcher if I can do all these different approaches I'm like how do we as qualitative be like hey do you guys want to you know do some research with us and get some quantitative people and not do mixed methods in isolation rather we do mixed methods by bringing two two groups together I think we should invite one of our quant friends in one of our episodes and really see like instead of just talking about it yeah see what they have to say about qualitative work i Um, also like i find too one thing that made me really you know confident in my abilities is sorry if you're listening and and you hear this you probably won't listen but in one of my courses i had somebody come up to me and was like wow like you're doing research on human experience you know, like, how do you just think of the world like this? And how, how do you approach something? Because at the end of the day, we come out with the same degree and they are testing to see how high somebody can jump after an exercise movement. And I'm like, yeah, we do come out with the same thing. But like, I think, I think there's some quant people that are like, man, these qualitative people, like, they got it going (laughs) like they they know what's up in the world and so I it would be really interesting if we could get somebody quantitative to kind of see like how do they perceive us you know I know how the world of academia perceives us and institutions perceive us because we feel that backlash all the time and the constant like resistance but it'd be interesting to see if more quantitative people look at us and they're like, man, you guys are saving lives, not me. <laughs> yeah, I will invite one of our quant friends for the next episode. Um, is there anything you guys would like to add in this comparison episode or should we move on to our um, sponsor? I think it's important to make sure we establish we don't hate quantitative. Well, yeah, we, no, we, that's already been established. We, love, yeah. we, <laughs> we love those numbers. You, I love. Are you numbers. sincere in that? Yeah. I oh, I, I actually love you numbers. You do. Yes. Yeah. One cool thing about us is like you actually followed through with your engineering background. I did uh, a year and a half, two years ish, and switched over. So we got the numbers. Yeah, we actually like numbers. We like. We can do logic and emotion. My favorite Sesame Street character is the oh camera. Gosh. So, I, <laughs> I, I have great admiration for quantitative, especially when they can push out a survey and just get all those responses back so quickly. Oh, imagine not having to recruit. So, who's our sponsor today? <laughs> the Likert scale. <laughs> one to five rate this episode <laughs> please do actually rate the episode and leave a, a very kind review <laughs> no, who is the sponsor ah. sponsor of today's uh, episode is McDonald's thank you McDonald's for um, getting us coffee 
I don't eat anything there, but um, Janet does sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you should see the points I have. <laughs> Especially when your ice cream machine isn't broken. Um, I enjoy your coffee, and that's about it, but yeah. So we're just, this is kind of like a McDonald's coffee sponsor. No, um, I'm going to say McDonald's in general. The app is great. <laughs> I'm pro McDonald's, okay, which is very strange because I'm not big corporation, but like pro McDonald's. Coffee, great. Hash browns, even better. App, amazing. Monopoly, I've been doing great. <laughs> so shout out to McDonald's. Thanks for sponsoring.